on maynard.com.au. AU! Tim thinks that Santa Claus is a cat. I thought Santa Claus was a cat. <laughs> what was that dog trying to push on me? Tim Fergus and Maynard here with your Bunga Bunga! Oh, I'm Australia's Santa Claus down chimney, Christmas edition. Yes, it's a very recalcitrant Christmas. You ask, what does Bunga Bunga mean? Well, look it up and then look it up again and you'll see Bunga <gasps> Bunga. 2019. What a year it's been for you, Tim. You've had a career. It's been like a ping pong ball. Bouncing here, bouncing there, did a show, taught some courses, shouted at Americans. They were just walking down the street, but if they're going to wear those kind of shirts, it's been pretty full on. And also, been turning out these bunga bungas like they're going out of fashion, which they aren't. They are not. In fact, I'm always getting phone calls from people going, what should I wear? I usually hang up. Did you know Bunga Bunga has an audience of over half a million people worldwide, Maynard? Uh, no, I didn't. Fuck them. I mean, they can't prove it. On maynard.com.au. Let's get out there and get on stage. Lovely work, Maynard. We've got uh, Sean Kelly as well, and he was uh, hiding in the corner of the room there looking at his favourite AFL game, but we managed to get him out during halftime to have a chat. Collingwood aren't on yet, but uh, of course I'm sure they'll do brilliantly, as they always do. I haven't toured with a whole bunch of Melbournians for a while, and I forget the excitement and lust of AFL. You know, I actually, I did live up in New South Wales for 10 years, and I eventually came across to Rugby League, and I'm a Roosters man. There you go, that's about the only sport you ever get here on Planet Maynard. Sean, it was great work. Working with you last night, first time this century, I think I've worked with you. I think the last time I saw you was when the models first came back at Fox Studios years ago. This show is bringing out the showman in you. Well, that's funny you should say that. We're all sort of uh, torn as to whether to look at social media and stuff, but I, I saw a post today of someone put a comment near a photo of me last night going, Sean, you always look so lost without the guitar. Listeners, I don't play the guitar in this show. I just ponce around... And so to Simone of Nidri, stuff you. Social media, getting back to the football analogy, it's people who've never pulled on the boot making a comment about they've never been on stage in their life and how would they go? Yeah. Like, why doesn't she get up there and try and sing a bloody slow ballad without hitting any bum notes surrounded by chaos? And And chaos does ensure at the end of the show where you're all up there on stage together. I won't be playing trombone tonight because we've got the world's smaller stage. I think it's actually a postage stamp, which they've turned upside down. We're performing on tonight here at Cronulla. Yes, it is a concern. (laughs) That was certainly a highlight when you brought out the trombone and, you know, we were all sort of reaching for our horns. Let me rephrase that. Where's Where's my flugelhorn? Where's my uh, euphonium? You know, it's hard to believe it's since the previous century because I'm fond of telling people that, yeah, I'm going to join the 21st century and, you know, get on (laughs) Facebook and Skybook and all that. But, in fact, it's nearly 20 years. You should turn of the century. Go get yourself a MySpace page, just to phrase everyone out, because it's still around. (laughs) Don't forget, kids, catch me on MySpace. That'll show them. You singing uh, I Hear Motion. You know, you try and hit the right notes. It's a really good song. It's good for me because it's probably James Freud sang a lot of the model's big hits, but that's one that I can sort of claim as my own. It's kind of cool singing it. What a loss that was too with James. That's funny you should say that. It's actually uh, 
today is Saturday, the 29th of June. It's James's birthday. He would have been 60 today. As I'm fond of saying, uh, roll over Beethoven. It's a pity. We, we miss him. When you originally recorded Barbados, did you both do a lead vocal on that and you had to sort of pick which one to release? <laughs> no, he kind of muscled his way into the lead vocal there. That's a bit of a sore spot with me. I'm, I'm oh, like- singing it occasionally now with the 80s band. It started off as an Andrew Duffield tune and then James and I grafted the vocal arrangement onto it, but somewhere down the track they kind of they removed me from the royalty stream. I sing, I sing the bits that I wrote and I think, well, I wrote this bit and I wrote that bit and those lyrics are mine. I remembered when I was with the Castanet Club in 1984 at uh, The Last Laugh in Melbourne. I think I remember you playing a cassette version of the demo version. I remember hearing it and I'm thinking, oh, it's an okay song. I don't think it's a world winner. But when it was all produced up, it turned into a great pop song. It is a bit strange. It's As I said, it started off as a Andrew Duffield instrumental. And, and his album, Ten Little Fingers. Ten Happy Fingers. Oh, Ten Happy Fingers, um, sorry. He's really quite a whiz kid when it comes to composition and keyboards. I Hear Motion started off the same way. It was just a, a tune that Andrew came up with and we, myself and James Freud arranged the vocal over the top good that's how barbados came about it did end up with a kind of a slightly i don't know almost like a rock rhythm section or something there's a few alternative versions around and i guess they might see the light of day at some point where it was actually more of a traditional calypso sort of feel rather than the mark opitz inspired rock rhythm section seemed to connect because, you know, it was quite a popular tune for a while back there. Last century, Maynard. I asked Scott Kahn this question too. Have you heard any great covers of your stuff that's really surprised you? Once. There's a, a band called Devil Monkey from Melbourne who have done a cover of On. Oh. And that's pretty good. Prior to that, people just kept doing these remixes of I Hear Motion and they would do stuff like just use the chorus or just the little four bars of keyboards at the start so they'd effectively remove my lead vocal. sent this mix for approval it's like what i'm supposed to like myself being removed from the song (laughs) oh look i've just knocked over my drink 
on maynard.com.au. Crank mail! Let's have a look at Twitter and see what we've got. And first of all, I'd like to draw your attention to a reading program that George Harab from the Geologic Podcast contacted us. He's uh, really spruiking up a program they have in the US, and I really hope we've got this here in Australia. They have drag queens reading to people in the libraries in America, which is great, and I hope we've got that here, Tim. Particularly the reference section. Some Hansard. Drag queens read Hansard. Drag queens read Everything about Norway. But they have a program where children can read to dogs, carer dogs that sit there while the kid reads aloud to the dog. And like George said, like if I was a kid and I could read to a dog, I'd do it all day. Why don't they read to cats, Maynard? Oh, they won't have it, Tim. They won't have it. They try and get involved in the story structure. They do critiques. They bring in Baroque language. Look, you don't want to read to a cat. You don't want to read to cats. Kitler just, oh, there he goes. He's walking out. We've upset. I mean, who, who is his favourite author, by the way? You know. It's- oh, right. It translates to my struggle with cat food. Pretty well. Thank you, George, for that. Reading to dogs. Uh, get onto it, Australia. I think it's a great library program. Bunga. Bunga. On maynard.com.au. Which brings us to Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. The Australian Independent Media News website claims some of us owe Scott Morrison a big apology. And the reason that they're saying that, Tim, you look shocked. I am shocked. The article is saying, and it goes through his entire career, and it says, given Scott Morrison's absolute inability to demonstrate empathy throughout his career and in most other jobs he's had, why on earth should anyone expect him to be any different now he's in government? After all, we did vote for him and we should have known what we were doing. For God's sake, the man's a politician. Show me a politician with empathy and I'll show you a person who is about to lose their seat. They only get their feelings back when they are about to lose. When suddenly they have to spend time with their money, sorry, their family. We can't expect a Prime Minister to do everything, including give a shit. If a Prime Minister gives a shit against the same thing, it's pretty certain that they're about to lose. It's the moment when they start realising, oh, wow, all this stuff I've been doing in my office has effects outside of the office. Did you think all the vitriol that Scott Morrison copped on social media and everywhere else in Australia was warranted? Again, me, 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 me. There's a prime minister he can go where he wants. And also, as we discovered, when he did come back with his tail between whatever that is he's carrying around with him, all he could do was go and bother people who have just been through a crisis. People would say, yeah, but what about leadership? Leadership to where? These people aren't going anywhere. They've lost everything. We don't really need a prime minister with a whole bunch of media trailing after them, looking for a handshake, looking to pretend they've got that. Where did we start? Oh, yeah, empathy. They don't have empathy. Empathy stopped with Bob Hawke. Do you think there's any prime minister we've ever had that could have in that situation gone along and not been told to fuck off? Bob Hawke couldn't be, only because he was recognised as a hero by everybody else. But it's very rare for a Prime Minister. You look at Paul Keating, I don't think so. John Howard occasionally would get a thank you. Most of the time, these people are completely useless in a crisis sense. Wouldn't the Prime Minister be better off being in Hawaii for a lot longer period? This is a solution no one actually thought of. Yeah, yeah, send him to talk to the quiet Hawaiians for a couple of years. 
What about Gladys's performance, the Premier of New South Wales, and the lockout laws have also been released recently in Sydney? Yeah, well, that's the end of the world, isn't it? If you let Australians party and drink in the places where they like to party and drink, what next? Next, you'll be giving them citizenship. Uh, that's Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. On Maynard.com.au. Just insist on something even though you're wrong and you get a lot of attention online. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? It was exactly the same where we said Kylie's better than Madonna. And we stand by that. Better singer, better actor, better dancer. We brought in Lance Leopard. And this is what Lance had to say about the Madonna versus Kylie issue. Hello. Hello, Lance. You've caught me in bed, Maynard. Can you believe it? In bed with Lance. You're self-isolating. There is no sickness in the ivory tower. We're clean teens, Mother and I, and we're doing just fine. Thank you, anyone, for asking. I believe your mum's got the Pinoclean wipes out. I've been neurotic and I couldn't bear people touching me all my life. It doesn't bother us. Decent bleach. Have you got out the sham wow yet? Yes. When you have glass tables up in the air, this is the tragedy of the situation. We're just in the middle of the show here and we have to ask yes, you... Yes, Lance, how can look, I help you? What do you want? Well, Why are we, you me in bed? We want to know what you've got to say about the Kylie versus Madonna issue. Oh, the Kylie versus Madonna issue. Okay, well, I'll explain something to you. Actually, let me think about it for two seconds. One, two. Right. You understand how royalty ascended by divine right, and there's Hollywood royalty and there's pop royalty. Kylie is a princess, the pop princess, but Madonna is the queen of pop. Does that necessarily mean that one is better than the other? It depends on whether you're a good princess or a bad princess or a good queen or an evil queen, doesn't it? If you had to come down in a snap decision, but if Tim asked you... A snap decision... I'm desperately seeking Susan. I'm sorry. When Madonna came along, I I could afford what she was wearing. Lance Leppard has spoken. I have spoken. I'm shameless. And you'll never die of embarrassment either, will you? No, not really. Maybe a scandal, darling. There's not an embarrassment. Oh, but Lance Leppard died (laughs) of scandal. It's too much. (laughs) Thank you and thank you to Tim. I'll see you chaps around. Everybody take care of yourself. (laughs) Well, that's settled. Well, it is. I mean, the fact is Madonna is less Australian than Kylie. It's Kylie all the way. Look it up. I think they're a similar height. Exactly the same height. I've measured it. Boy, was that an embarrassing moment. (laughs) You've really got to be careful. Crank mail. Peter Hunter writes, oh boy, uh, how do I maximise my Sydney investment property portfolio at this point in time? (laughs) Do not take investment advice from a podcast. Buy, buy, buy. If you're getting into property, you just keep buying. That's the bottom rule. It's the way Monopoly works. Economies work just like Monopoly. Just keep buying, 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 buying. So you are always cash poor but asset rich and then you die. Because you can't eat bricks, you know. But, man, you'd be able to brag at dinner parties about how many flats in Bondi you've been renovating. Not that there's going to be any of those parties for a while. They really should stop them. If we're going to stop anything in this crisis, it's cocktail parties in Bondi. I've been to a few and it's not educational. I'm not sure reality shows are going to be as good escapist entertainment as they used to be either, really, because we're all in our pretty big reality show at the moment. We're all in the Big Brother house. We're all in Survivor. Don't take pandemic advice from a podcast. Seriously, don't take pandemic advice from a podcast.
on maynard.com.au. It was hiding in plain sight, Tim, a bit like Alex Jones. And we've had a few people about the call that Kitler made to uh, Alan Jones, our own Australian, uh, and I think I think Kitler made a few good points. Some excellent points, and I think Alan was very engaged by the extreme right-wing opinions of my cat. People are genuinely worried about all this. What do you make of it? Give us a call. Say hello. You really assume the government spies on you? She said they do. She's got some interesting things to say. I have no idea what that means. You tell me, have I got that wrong? Come on. It's not education. It is betrayal. (laughs) I think the problem was that this has started something because Kikitla rang in and only the next day on the show, I think it was a dash hound from Perth called. A dash hound from Perth. Did you have a recording? I did. Alan got straight into it with him. What do you make of it? At the end of the day, the truth is the truth. Well, I haven't seen it. Let me just say something I haven't said before, but I'm going to say it now. This relates back to 1947. These people have got their hands dirty. Is it best to use that phone number, is it? You tell me. you got an answer to that. You're smarter than I am. I think this is unbelievable. I'm not quite sure if it was completely fair, but it was balanced. That's the thing about Alan. You always walk away saying, yes, it's balanced one way or the other. He'll probably get a budgie calling into his show next week. Well, all sorts of left-wingers will now start piling on. I make no apologies for the intensely right-wing politics of my cat. He's a cat. There are no left-wing cats. Once the dogs and the birds start getting in, oh, well, there you go. Oh, no, I'm a vegan. On Maynard.com.au. Time for Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. Tim. Maynard, you know how on the weekends now, everybody's getting out and they're all going down to the local shopping centres and they're milling around. As soon as someone said, you may not have to stay at home, everybody's going down to the beach, they're going to the shops, they're getting out. They've got their babies in prams, they're out there hugging. What they seem to think is that because someone said the coronavirus crisis is a little bit over, they took it to mean that they are the little bit. It's a bit like when you get to a red light and you're about to cross, even though the figure is red, clearly red, but someone breaks and so everybody breaks and the next thing you know, you're all crossing the road, not realising that across the road are a bunch of cops who then book you for jaywalking as they do in Sydney now. It's much the same thing. People are saying, hey, it was okay for me to be in a crowded place because everybody was in a crowded place. So I would urge you people, if you do go into a crowded place, go immediately to the harbour and throw yourself in and sacrifice yourself for the herd. Is that how you get herd humility, is it? By embarrassing yourself in front of everybody, no one gets embarrassed. Exactly. Herd humility. You heard it here first on Bunga Bunga. Bunga Bunga. bunga. (laughs) You're supposed to be locked up. You were told six months and after two weeks, people were carrying on saying, oh, my God, oh, this is so hard. This is so difficult. I think I've got a medical illness. Go home, lock yourself up and eat fattening foods. Do this simple questionnaire. Have you been home long enough to A, Watch Paris When It Sizzles, the 1961 movie so bad it wasn't released until 1967, starring Audrey Hepburn, possibly her second worst movie other than the one about Camelot. Classic. 
Paris when it sizzles? What kind of a picture is it? It's a tender, tender love story with monsters, spies, international jewel thieves, sex pots, beatniks, a girl who stole the Eiffel Tower, and William Holden and Audrey Hepburn, who go absolutely ape. Have you watched that? If your answer is no, stay at home until you have. And the second question is, have you watched Moonraker? If you've watched both of those, you're free to go. If you haven't, I'm sorry. Simple as that, Tim. I watched Moonraker the other day, and I've got to say, it's great until they actually head for the moon. Everything's fine. It's very bondy. And then they're out in space, and it turns into physically not interesting. On Maynard.com.au. Here we are in Sydney's The Sound of Traffic means that I'm standing almost in the middle of Oxford Street on my way to Lance Leopard's stately home, high atop the urban jungle of Darlinghurst, where he looks upon the denizens of Darlinghurst with a caring but somehow highly critical eye. Join him in his manner, in his very manner, where mysteries are solved and secrets are hidden yet revealed. A house of mystery and many secrets. The scene is busy inside Lance's modern credenza-filled flat. His mother's visiting here, of course. She's been here since December. They had a bit of a wild New Year's Eve party. And Lance is currently preparing a festive glass of Fanta. Ooh, nice Fanta there. If you listen very, very carefully, you can hear the bubbling of Fanta. And of all the drinks, why Fanta? I liked Fanta when I was little because it was like orange juice, but fake. You never went for Passiona? I did go for cans of Passiona, but mum got a bit leery about buying a bottle of something as trashy as Passiona. Have you been re-watching Desperately Seeking Susan? It's one of the few 80s films of that kind, of that Lower East Side that works still and doesn't like smack of fake. I've spoken to two people that were punks at the time, Tim Ferguson and Ant Bannister, that both had to hide the fact they went to see the movie from their friends because punks just it was looked down upon as being a commercial suck project i didn't know if uh, punks could afford to go to the movie steer just take desperately seeking susan and stick it up there (coughs) it was a rosanna arquette project and it was quirky the title role is not the major role she flits all the way through it and acting a lot naughtier than she actually was. She was actually just a boring professional business girl from day one. For a few months there in the public's mind, she was young and wild and exciting and she never was again. Do you think many people just do a hatchet job on Madonna because it's so easy to do? Well, it's very easy to do and then strange feminists do other things and give her credit for things that she's simply not to be credited for. They say that she was a groundbreaker where she might not have been. She had good timing. She came along in the 80s and her first single came out at the same time as MTV happened. The early songs were trashy, but you could dance to them and they were fun. Have you seen her live? I saw her live once in the girly show and she was good because, I mean, she should be good. I shouldn't have walked away amazed that she was good, but I watched her work the whole time and there wasn't a lot of charisma there. There was a lot of work. In this form of all the films she made, she doesn't seem to be acting in it. She seems to be the person she's playing. You actually liked her in Body of Evidence, didn't you? No, I liked the film. I suppose she was right for the role. She she was perfect to be the... Someone had to be the B-grade Sharon Stone. Thank you for offering a glass of Fanta. Certainly... We're not endorsed by Fanta, but we would like to be and haven't ruled out the possibilities or opportunities involved in Fanta. This spot is where you, the advertiser, would put your first commercial message. Better describe your outfit for the listener. Why should I? Have you no shame? 
on maynard.com.au. Finally, barking dog. That's Boo Boo. We just come into Mark's place. Hi, Mark. How are you? So far, so good. How many dogs you got? Um, one. That noise was coming from one dog. <laughs> that looks like one very spoiled pup. Spoiled. Well looked after. When you think about DJs, there's many you think about, but there's one guy who's been around for 36 years. He has been a part of not just the Australian, but the worldwide DJ scene for all that time. And I'm honoured to be in his little secured location here in inner city Sydney, where he's going to show me around. We're going to have a chat about it. And a few of you have asked questions. The life and the times of DJ Mark Allsop. I'm up for it. <laughs> what a great place you've got. We enjoy it. And who are you here with? My husband. When did you guys make it official? In April last year. And we did it in Berrima and kept it all off Facebook. Social media. People have a habit of over-fucking sharing. Over-fucking sharing. Okay, I would run with that. Exactly. Plus, it's no one's business but our own. I remember when I friended some people and then put on Facebook that I was married to a woman. <laughs> and then, not my real friends, but the Facebook friends were saying, oh, congratulations, this is wonderful, how suited you both are. And I thought, I'm a big homosexual. What would I be doing marrying a... a, a... So we knew you'd get over that whole gay thing eventually. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Just looking around, I am in in possibly the gayest room I've seen since I visited Lance Leopard. And that's only the first room. <laughs> There's an enormous mirror ball here. There's some wonderful posters, some of the work you've done, music works on the wall. There's a toy box poster. They were, especially at Luna Park, they were huge. Oh, there's some leather toys on the wall, which is, that, you know. That's a Mardi Gras costume we made for God is a DJ. We put that together and that was going down Oxford Street with all the followers, everyone dressed as priests and nuns and God And of course you've got the mirror ball cut in half as the mirror ball headphones. We're just wandering upstairs now. The nice kitchen you've got there. Are you the cook of the two, are you? Yes, I'm the lead chef because um, I originally started hotel and restaurant supervision when I left school. When did you first getting started into the digital stuff? Can you remember the first time you walked out to DJ with just a USB stick? In the early double O's, that was the first time I walked out with CDs just in my collection. And then the USBs, I would say that's about four or five years ago. And now I don't take CDs anywhere. Mark Olsop, do you miss the vinyl? Everyone's very misty-eyed about it. Is there something about working analogue that you miss? Working with vinyl is fantastic for showmanship and flair and spinning it in your hands. The whole thing about that is great. Acoustically, crap. I am so glad vinyl's dead. Yes, I know, controversial. All these people out oh, there. Come, hey, come on. Yeah, yeah, vinyl's coming back. Well, you can have it. I don't want it. The muffled sound? Yep. Yeah. yep, no clarity, all muffled. The snap crackles and pops, especially at the Horden era. Some of those yeah. pops were so loud they'd give you a heart attack, which is great depending <laughs> what drug you're on. On Maynard.com.au. When you do something for a long time, when you do something for 26 years and 10 months, you're not just good at it, you're fucking brilliant at it. I'm talking to two people that have ran the Hellfire Club in Sydney for 26 years and 10 months. We've got Ultra Hello. Hello. And Master Tom. Hey. How are you feeling? It's 48 hours after you put the club to bed there after way back at Black Market in 93? 1993. Right. Yeah. We're feeling every one of those 26 years and 10 
nuts, can I just say? I was young and skinny when it started. Now I'm twice the man I used to be. <laughs> and you actually met at the club, didn't you? We did. We met in maybe August 1993. Looking at the final night you had there, the crowd has evolved would be one word. There were a lot of people looking the look but not really playing the way they used to back in the day. Is that because society's changed or because my eyes are so bad I didn't see it? Oh, both. Because there was a bit of play going on around the frames well, and in the, the corners. Yeah. There were two A-frames going, one in the back corner, one in the front corner. Things have changed. Nightclubs have changed. Nightclub culture's changed. Black Market was a unique and special <laughs> institution yeah, what? What? where kind of anything went and did. It was all brand new then and everyone was making it up as they went along and there was nowhere else to do anything like that at the time. But since then, and largely as a result of Hellfire, there's been a, a proliferation of other events, other parties, other venues and other opportunities for people to do this kind of stuff, not in a nightclub. What's the final story went? That's it. Uh, let's end it. A $20,000 bar minimum. On Maynard.com.au. Which is also the thing about your albums. The last note of the previous album is usually the first note of the first song on the next album. Is that correct? Very good. Yeah, very good. Not everyone realises that. Small Comfort, one of your most impactful songs. I don't think you've gone anywhere And I guess that's just as well Because I want to remember Last look in your eye. Do you ever think you'd like to write that for a full orchestra or something? Make it a bit more long and winding roadish? Mm. Or do you think the lyrics best come out in the just simple acoustic guitar arrangement? What's curious is in the Broad Street score version of that, which is for, for four strings, it really brings out the emotion of it even more. You can actually see the QED performance if you go on YouTube and check out string quartet version of Small Comfort. They say we're not supposed to comprehend. But I want to know more Being there with you at the end Was a pain I'd hoped for I'd love to do a full orchestra, yeah, at some point, sure. With this time we're living through, which don't you love it when people say that? And I love all these ads that are on. There's the sad music that comes on the corporate ads. It's astounding how fast those commercials came out. It was astounding. It was a question of days, if not even hours. In this time of need, we here at Toilet Industries want to know that we are with you. It's astounding. George Arab, thank you very much. <laughs> George Arab, a man. Question mark? On Maynard.com.au. People, every year a fairly major thing happens in the Australian cultural life. Every year you're there via your phone. Every year you want to know what's happening. And, of course, I'm talking about... The Coldest 100. That's right. When the 100 songs from Australia's history that you never know existed and probably shouldn't come out. And I'm with the man who has put The Coldest 100 together. He's been working his knuckles to the bone or his bone to the knuckles or whatever it is since 2016. Andrew Scholl, how are you? It's a year-long escapade, this thing. Just <laughs> finding those songs, putting them together, putting the list together and just discovering things that you never knew existed. 2016, what made you think, I'm just going to find some crappy Australian songs and put them out there? It was when the controversy about the trip 
Triple J Hottest 100 first arose when people were saying, should it be on Australia Day? And there was talk about patriotism and jingoism and should the date be moved and the politicians were entering the debate. And I thought, well, there have been cultist 100s before, but they've all been pop songs. Bruce Samazan from Neighbours and mm. the Blakeney Twins. And Love the Blakeney Twins. Oh. Great song from them. But what other Australian songs are out there? What awful Australian songs? Songs about Australia, songs by Australians, songs about Australia sung by people who've never been to Australia. That's what the list is. It's bringing together a bit of nostalgia, a bit of history and terror, quite frankly. What's your background? Have you got something against Australia that you do this in the first place? No, I'm an ex-journo and I'm a currently public relations person or a corporate communications person, but I lived abroad for a while and you would see how people internationally would view Australia and it was slightly different to the way people here see themselves. What's the biggest misconception you seem to bump into with the POM, so to speak? What do the English think goes on here that doesn't? In the time I was there, people stopped calling me a convict. There was a, a major shift, but kangaroos and billabongs and boom Boomerangs. There's at least 500 songs out there that have boomerang in the title. So it's less misconceptions of Australia, it's hanging on to those cliches and caricatures that we've since dropped. You've been doing it for three years, so you've come up with 300 songs and you haven't repeated any of them so far. I've repeated one or two, but there's probably at least another three years in this. Wow. <laughs> On Maynard.com.au well, we met you before the show. What do you think? You love him even more now? Oh, he's gorgeous. Favourite bit of the show? Oh, but Bruce. <laughs> Was there anything you'd want to see you didn't? No, no, nothing more than I expected. You kind of summed it up at the end with, I'm real, isn't it? It sums it up well. Yeah, I think he's gorgeous. Fancy that. He's 87. I thought he was the same age as me. I'm 73. He's a sprightly 87. He kept running around the stage, full on running. I was getting worried. <laughs> That's a wrap for the Shatner show tonight. I think he ended well with the song, That's Real, pointing out that he's more than just Mr. Shatner, William, Bill, the horse guy, the guy from Barbary Coast, the guy from TJ Hooker. He's real. What a happy audience. A hushed silence descends on Sydney now. I have saved the world in the movies. So naturally, there's folks who think I must know what to do. 